This is Football CFB, the home of unique football content. I never told you You scared off the vultures I never told you You scared off the ghosts living in my head That lay lonely in the dirt That true delight to be joined on Football CFB today by a man who made such a great impact on the Premier League. Blackburn Rovers fans will remember this man very, very fondly. He was a defender who some of the top clubs in Europe were desperate to sign, and he's now got ambitions of being a manager as well. Chris Samba, thank you for joining me. Happy to be with you. I mentioned in the intro, Chris, that management is something that you want to go into just how passionate are you about coaching a team and have you set a level where you would like to go in of course like you know in my play, playing career you want to, to to compete at the highest level um, I mean um, I can only work hard and see where my opportunity takes me but uh, of course I set myself a high standard and try to compete at the highest level and in terms of experiences that you've had so far, completing your coaching badges, what have they been like and who have you worked alongside? Uh, at, the, at the minute, uh, I'm a bit on a, on a little bit on a, of a standstill. Um, after finishing my, my uh, A licence, uh, I'm waiting to, to be able to, comp- to, com- to, to complete my, uh, my hours. Um, I want to do it in the best environment possible. Um, uh, hopefully, I will uh, I will try to link with my with my club, what is Blackburn Rovers, and see if I can I can volunteer to do my hours with them and in a familiar environment. Fingers crossed, and I know that's something that longer term Blackburn fans would be delighted to to see you back. Um, in terms of your childhood, Chris, before we talk about your your career and, and making it in the game, you had quite a tough childhood. Yeah, but um, I, I never want to say that I had a child tough food because we, we never know what someone next to you maybe have been through or, you know, and you can only compare um, uh, to yourself. And, and so I don't know if you can call it, a, I, I would say challenging. I would say challenging. You mentioned it being a challenging time. Um, one of your parents passes away when when you're very young. I've lost my own father when I was when I was 14, and I know just how tough that can be, not only for you as an individual, but for the whole family as well. The, see the experiences that shaped you growing up. Um, see, when you were playing football, did it give you extra motivation, for, uh, for want of a better phrase? Because as we've both mentioned, you had a challenging upbringing. So did it give you more motivation to? make the very best of yourself? Well, um, you know, I think that, uh, of course, um, you know, uh, experience that you have in life um, is a part of you and, you know, forge forge who you are at, at, at the end. And uh, me, having lost my, my mother so young uh, at the age of five, it, it was tough. And it's, it's, it's a feeling that I still remember. 
still remember and um i've been able to to tap into that pain um for for my own motivation and and my success a lot of people look at footballers chris and they think they, they just join a club um at a young age and then they come through the system and play games but for you your journey to first team football was was different you were playing um, and training at lower league clubs in France. When was the first time you thought you had a real chance of becoming a professional footballer? Since I could walk, and from what I can remember, I all the time wanted to be a professional football player. That was my dream from day one. Um, I never lose the sight of that. And um, for me, I never not believe that I couldn't make it. And I... I put to myself that it's a possibility. I put myself that I must, I must succeed and be a professional football player. Am I right in saying that you started out as a striker? Yeah, I did. I did. I was a tall, lanky striker with a good speed. And, but <laughs> after the years and a year have passed, I discovered that I was not the best uh, you know, when it comes to endurance and repeating efforts. And in terms of becoming a centre-back, when, when did that happen for you? What age did you change from being the goal scorer to the man trying to keep the ball out? Uh, the, the transition didn't happen straight away from front to back. Uh, it, it's It's been step by step. So I started as a striker. I play long there and then I, I drop into the midfield for, for a lengthy period of time and I thought that I would make it as a midfield and um, then my first professional game I was centre-back so it's been all a process and of course with uh, how my body uh, developed you know becoming a six foot five uh, a big man uh, you know I think that they thought that my best position was centre-back in terms of Sedan, that was a club that you were able to make a few first-team appearances for, which is a great experience, but then you have a really challenging um, abductor injury. Just how frustrating was that, given the fact that you were trying to make your way in the game? I would, I would say that it was a major setback because after having gone through all the struggle to just be in a, in a, in a professional football club, um, to be at the door and to be um, just just to be kicked out because of an injury, uh, a lengthy injury, it, it was tough. Uh, I was very disappointed in the club in the way they handled it. I mean, to 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 kick me out knowing that I had nowhere to go and um, you know not being able to rehab myself uh, to to fitness. Uh, it was it was very hard. I was very, I was I was alone, really alone at that time. And luckily, my sister was here to 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 support me. And, and that support is is absolutely crucial. And I remember reading uh, an interview again that that we talked about off air that you'd given uh, previously, where you said I had no club and was told to train by myself. I was nineteen mm -hmm. years old. I had to recover from the injury without a physio. No money. For six months, I did not have a club and, and I was just training. You also talked about having lots of trials, but none of them coming off. So just how tough was that mentally for you to convince yourself that once you got to full fitness, 
you could start playing the game at the level you knew you were capable of? Uh, first of all, you know, when, when um, you train by yourself, you will never reach a level where you, you train every day with a group. It, it, it's, it's not possible. Uh, however, and how long you run and how good you, if, uh, you know, the type of runs that are required to, to play the game are totally different and it's so much you can mimic in, a, in training by yourself with, with no benchmark really. So it was it was really difficult, and me going to trial, um, it it was all the time the same, the same excuse. You're not in shape. You're not you're not in shape. We need someone in shape. Well, you know, getting shape is is not a big deal. You know, you should concentrate on what I can do and what I can bring on the on the pitch. And that was really tough, because I must have done six seven trials. Um, that, that were unsuccessful uh, and every time I was lowering my expectation and still wasn't coming off uh, till till the moment as that for the first time in my in my in my young life I said well maybe it's not happening for me and you know starting thinking of 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 living a, a more normal life thinking about going to a job you know starting working with my sister and, and in my uh, in, in a company she was uh, she was uh, delivering packages so I, I used to, to to do that with her and you know after things changed a lot of players who play the game play well for their club side and that leads on to them naturally representing their international side but for you it's an interesting story you, you represent mm -hmm. the Republic of Congo and it really helped you get back into club football at a time when, as you've just mentioned, you really needed it? Well, you, you know how frustrating it must be when in your head you feel like you can do it, but people keep knocking you off. Um, it, it's, it's tough. And, you know, for them to have uh, attracted me and, you know, and, and proposed me to come and train with them for, for two weeks and, and then go play for the national team, that's, that's actually what I needed to be in a group with a good level and that would give myself a platform to reach fitness and you know if you're unfit you can't you can't express yourself properly and that's all I, I needed and I, all I wanted time and in this game sometimes you don't have that, 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 that time and they give me that time and after that everything changed and I'll be grateful to them forever for that. You mentioned everything changing um, playing for Congo helps you be spotted by Hertha Berlin, who are a massive club in Germany. Just how excited mm -hmm. were you when a club of that stature was interested in yourself? Well, I, I, I was not um, ex excited because I already played in, in professional and that was me accepting to take a step back to give myself a chance. Um, I was exciting six months after when when they, they they put me in the first team. That that's where the excitement started really to come. At the first, I was on a mission to 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 get up to get up to the first team. And once I did, then I started to be really excited and and really even more motivated. You mentioned the fact that when you initially go there, they put you into their their second team and that you were on a mission to get to the first team. What were those experiences like in the second team? 
because it, it became evident to the club quite quickly that you would be ready for the first team in, in a short period of time. Yeah, but for, for me, it, it was, um, I would say, at the time I thought it was a bad thing, where today, you know, living in Germany, those six months gave me, gave me a lot because it gave me more game, more game time, it gave me more training, it gave me a routine that I could uh, go with. And most of, most of all, it gave me the opportunity to learn the language. That was really important for, for your integration to, to, to a new environment. And um, looking back, that, that, that was the best thing that could have happened. When you start training with the first team, how did you feel? You, you mentioned excitement about being given the opportunity. Was there any nerves when, when you stepped up to the first team at all? Oh, massively, massively. You, you're nervous because you know that uh, that's at the highest level. Now you're playing, uh, you know, in guys that uh, finish finish sixth in the Bundesliga. It's a good team, you know, with good players, you know, international players, and you're here starting to prove yourself. So um, it was, for me, it was, I was nervous, but on the, on the other hand, uh, I would never let anyone step on my toe. I was here to prove something. As first team debuts go, you make your debut in the cup, but you make your league debut against, of all teams, Bayern Munich coming on as a substitute. Just what yeah. was that like for you? Because making your debut is exciting as it is, but to make your, your league debut against a club like Bayern must have been special. Well, uh, I'm not going to lie. I was lost. I was lost. Uh, I was like, I'm coming in. I'm in the Alliance Arena um, out of nowhere. And I'm here playing against players like Michael Balak and, you know, and this kind of player. I'm, I'm directly opposed to, to Michael Balak. And I'm like, my God, you know, you know you're a bit loose, you're a bit lost. And, you know, you, you, you first balls that you receive, you're really nervous and try to to, to make sure that it's a simple pass because you, you need confidence. But yeah, it was, it, I was really, really nervous. It gives you the desire to get more first team football. During your time at Hertha, you're, you're in and out the team, um, mostly coming off the bench. You obviously had a hamstring injury that kept you out for a period of time as well. Overall, how do you remember your experience there? Because before, I'll lead us on to talking about that incredible spell at Blackburn. Well, um, in insight, when I look back, you know, the politics of the club were, were very different. You know, they wanted to be successful now. Um, recalling all the names that, were, that, that, that have passed there, and we could have been a great team with a young player coming up. I mean, I was in reserve with Kevin Prince Boating, Jerome Boating, with Patrick Ebert, with Alexander Madlung, and all these players became, became uh, first team player in other teams. And most of them was, uh, yeah, in other teams. So I think that they miss out on, and most of us have gone for nothing because they didn't believe in the youth at the time. Um, so it was, it was disappointing, but for me, you know, it's step by step, you want something more. You, you know, you're in a reserve, you want to go to the first team, you're in the first team, you want to prove that you're good enough, you're good enough, you want to play uh, and, and play more. And, you know, being in and out, it's every time the same question. Why I don't play? Oh, you know, the excuse they give you is you need more experience. Excuse me, how experience come? By playing. So I understand that it was 
possibly not the right place for me. And I needed to be someone with someone that believe uh, in, in, in the project Christopher Samba. In terms of that project, you go to Blackburn, you're invited by Mark Hughes, it's initially a five day trial. What was your instinct when you go on that trial? Because you'd had trials when you were younger, which is something you would have been used to. But this came at a time where you were more experienced and with the allure of playing in the Premier League, it must have meant a lot. Well, to make it simple, all this failure that happened before, I thought myself when, when I went to Blackburn, I said, I'm going in, I'm never going out, whatever it's going to take. And uh, funnily, I think uh, Martin Olsen at the time in the reserve paid the price for that, uh, of that determination, because I took him out and he was out for like three, four months. <laughs> you know, so um, yeah, uh, that, that was my, my, my state of mind at the moment. I was like, I'm going in this club and I would never go out again. Well, you mentioned going in and never going out. You, sit, you go on a five-day trial and within two days, you're signed up in a three-and-a-half-year contract. Just how, how good did that feel to, to, to be given an opportunity to, to go to a league such as the Premier League under a manager you, you know, like Mark Hughes, who was famous as a player himself? Yeah, um, you, you know, um, when, um, when, when I, I was there, it was, it was a great feeling. And at the moment, you think about all the failure and you say, finally, your hard work are starting to pay off. And, and that could be the start of a, a good career. And that's what you think. You think that all the failure and all the disappointment and all the crying that you're not going to make it, you know, finally paid off. And, and that's, why, that's why you want to cook, you know, into your kids to say, work hard. The, the, the reward's going to come. Just work hard. You, you never have it easy in terms of debuts, Chris. Your Bundesliga debuts against Bayern, your Premier League debuts against Josie Mourinho's Chelsea, when you've got Bala, my, you've got Lampard, you've got Drogba. Now, my debut my debut was against Sheffield United. My first, against Sheffield my first United? Was against Sheffield United, and we, we, scored, we won 2 1 with Martin Gams Pedestin uh, scoring at the last minute. Uh, and that gave me a second game afterward, and that was the most important. When you when when you're in a team and they're winning with you, that give that will give you more games, and that was really important. That that built the platform for me to to keep on playing. And in terms of of, of your debut, just what was it like to get that first start in in, in the Premier League? But at at first at first you look a lot around, you know, in the stand. And, and you're like, oh my God, that's, that's a real one. That's, that's a real English Premier League game. And I decided at that moment that the first challenge or the first ball that, that, that's going to come to me, I will be on the front foot, whatever it's. it's uh, I receive the ball, I'm going to take someone on and just go forward, and make an impact straight away and make understand that the team and the fan that <laughs> I'm in business. That's uh, what I wanted to do. And, and I knew doing that, that would give me confidence to, to, to build on that. And when you look at the, that team, you, you mentioned Morton Gams Pedersen. I was lucky enough to speak to Morton a few weeks ago. You had Brad Friedel as well at the club. You had some really experienced pros and some really exciting talents. Just what was the training like? Because under Mark Hughes, you were a team to be reckoned with. I mean, for me, it was no better uh, setting 
for a young player coming in than to be with those guys. I mean, the, the level of professionalism that, that they have and, you know, commitment that they had for, for, for the club and for the team was, was uh, unprecedented, you know. They, I mean, guy like Ryan Nelson, you know, uh, at Andre Oyer, even you have Robbie Savage um, uh, and Brad Friedel, I mean, two guys, uh, you know, champions like Benny McCarthy, you know, and it was, it was just a great setting to be with. Yeah. And most of all, the atmosphere was really, the dressing room was excellent. It was a really good dressing room. And what was good is those older players, more experienced player, player will keep you on bay. And, and that was important, you know, uh, everybody will, will tell you and help you. And, and, and that was great for me. Absolutely. And, and you, you mentioned Ryan Nelson there. He, he's, he's such an experienced player. So many caps for New Zealand. He, he was a real good partner for you in the defence. And when you consider the impact that you had as you come into the club, leading to you being named the newcomer of the year at the club when, in your first spell, in your first real season there, just how much pride did, did that fill you with? Because, as I say, you made an immediate impact alongside Ryan. In all, all my uh, success, I had that, uh, my, my teammate had a part in it. I mean, a guy like Han Nelson with so much experience and so much battle, battle already, uh, uh, you know, uh, around his belt, he, he, he knew uh, how to maneuver and he knew what he needed and what I needed to do. And he was a big help and he was someone that I look up to, uh, you know, and he, he was a really good defender for me, the perfect partner, the perfect partner to go with, I mean, when you want to go to war, you want to go to war with, with, with guy like Brad, with guy like, you know, like Stephen Warner, with, with, with guy like that, you know, you know, and so it, it was, it was perfect for me. You, you mentioned champions like Benny McCarthy. When you initially go to Blackburn, he's the goal scorer who is absolutely fantastic. And then you consider that the season after, Rocky Santa Cruz steps up to the plate and, and he scores so many goals as well. You were a defender, of course, but what was it like knowing that you had strikers like Santa Cruz and McCarthy who could I mean, score the goals if you could keep them out? Listen, for, for us, it was simple. It was, we have Benny McCarthy and Rocky Santa Cruz, two strikers that can give you 20 a year. I mean, the responsibility of winning then come back to you. You have to, if they score one, you need to, to stay at zero. If they score two, you have to make sure that the other team score less. And, and we were ready for that. We were equipped for that. I mean, and I want to comment, comment the board of Blackburn and the coaching staff because, I mean, the signing that they were doing at the time were, were a joke for a club of Blackburn stature, you know, in the Premier League. They, they, they were pulling off so much good signing out of nowhere and that that also and good character with that and that really really helped the team to be that successful you, you your team was successful you were successful you sign a new contract at the club in 2007 which keeps you at the club for the long term and the reason i mentioned that is because in the same year Talk me through your goal against Tottenham because talk about a collector's item. It was it was incredible and it seems to win for Blackburn that day away from home as well. That was one of the highlights of my career. I mean, scoring the last minute, the last kick of the game and to see it go go in in, a, in such a fashion. <laughs> I remember that it's a long ball. It's layoff by Roque to me and I just side-footed in, in side, side netting and 
and the game is over. So it was a great feeling at the time. We knew how hard it is to go, you know, win at White Hart Lane against the, the Berbatov, the, the, uh, the Lennon, you know, the all this kind of player, Ledley King and 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 Gary Bell and other. And this 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 was a great win and a great celebration in the dressing room because that was a great win. You've talked about some of your teammates. You've talked about Ryan Nelson, Stephen Warnock. I mean, Andrew Oyer was at the club as well, Brett Emerton. In terms of the coaching at the club under Mark Hughes and then obviously Sam Allardyce, who, who comes after obviously Paul Ince replaced uh, Mark, was, was there a lot of work on defensive shape and training or was it really a case of you had experienced players like Ryan, yourself, Brett Emerton, that you could handle that positioning yourselves almost? Well, with... with um... Coach Mark Hughes, of, of course, uh, he, he gave us all the basics and everything, the fundamentals that we needed. But the thing that was really important is he had a coach on the pitch with guy like Ryan, guy like Brad, and you know, and that was easy because he knew we would do the best um, to 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 do our job. It was never uh, a case of us making too many mistakes because we were, we were dedicated, we were really dedicated. And so that was easy. I mean, when you have four men at the, at the back, four, five, six plus one in front, we know that what our role was and it was easy. I mean, it was so easy. In, in terms of Mark Hughes, again, you, you think about the impact that he had on the club during his time there the impact that he has when you are there. In your first full season under Hughes, the club finishes seventh in the Premier League. Just just sum up what that meant. I mean, when you look at where Blackburn are now, a seventh place finish in the Premier League really is fantastic when you look back at it. I mean, we're under Mark Hughes, we had a really successful year. We had a year we finished, they finished the year before us in sixth. Then we finished seven. I think the year after we finished eight or ninth, something like that. So it brings... Um, a good a consistency in, in the club and a level that we try to maintain for for a club. At, at the time, I, I don't know, but I think that Blackburn Rovers is one of the clubs in the bottom uh, regarding budgets. Um, so it's do so much with less. It was, it was exceptional. What was your reaction when Mark left for Manchester City? And crucially, did he try and take you to Manchester City with him? Well, uh, I, I don't really know about that. I mean, uh, he took uh, Roque, Roque with him um, to, but uh, no, uh, for me, it was never discussion. Um, it was little murmur and rumor because people was ex, ex, probably expecting him to to take a couple of us, <laughs> couple of us with him. But uh, no, uh, um, I mean, I was. Still at Blackburn, I was still happy to, to remain at Blackburn. You know, when he left, it was hard for the club to 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 lose a great manager because because of the unknown. You don't know what's next. You don't know, you know, if this is the next manager we have the same philosophy and we will be able to maintain that level of success that we had in the past. So it was difficult, but uh, uh, you know, we had a couple of hurdles, but eventually, you know, when Sam came in after everything worked itself out. You mentioned the fact that Sam coming in works everything out. I spoke to Morton and Brad about when Paul Ince is 
his, his era at the club, and it was a really tough era when, when he was there. Crucially, did do you think you just tried to change too much from what the players were used to under Mark? And when Sam came in, did he get back to basics, for want of a better phrase? Uh, I don't really want to say too much about about that that time. It, it was, all I can say, it was not a great time. We we didn't have a great time at all. Um, if I recall, we were searching points at you know halfway through the season, and people already condemned us to championship. That's where we were, and for us to know all the success and suddenly be there in the bottom and well buried. It was it was difficult. We had a tough time. We 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 started to lose a little bit of our edge, and you know, and, and it, it was a tough time. And luckily, things change after. You mentioned the fact it was a tough start when Sam comes in. How quickly did he manage to galvanize the whole group? Because during his time at Blackburn, the players you just all seem to adore Sam as a manager. We love Sam. I mean, I don't know where was I come from, but I loved Sam. I mean, Sam was clear in his message. He knew what he wanted, how he was doing it. He knew he knew the area he wanted us to play. It was making the game again simple for us. It was, you know, you know, you know, Sam have uh, that reputation to be um, to be good defensively and uh, you know and get the results done, the job done, and to us when we, we come back from that season when from from that time where we were in the bottom and st- suddenly we see that we start winning we have to we, ha- we have to to believe in his message and that's that what happened you know we all believe in his message and that's why after where we, we came back to to what we know i mean we went from bottom of the link well buried so it's finished tense i mean who what what was the odds Absolutely. The odds, as you say, would have been very big in that. Not only did you finish 10th in Sam's uh, first full season in charge, you get to a League Cup semi-final. And again, Mm -hmm. we've spoken about some of the players Blackburn were were able to recruit. You think of Paul Robinson in goal, yourself at the back, Ryan Nelson we've touched on. I mean, another player that I have to mention because he went on to be a World Cup winner, Stephen Nzonzi. Just how good was he to play alongside? Because he seems like someone you would love to have in front of you when you're a defender. But St- Stephen was uh, not prime, uh, Stephen and Zonzi at the time. Um, I hope and I like to believe that I had an impact in his maturation. He came as a raw diamond. That means that we could see so much quality in him and we could see the future being there for him. Um, at the start, he was quite an emotional player. He had difficulty. to... He, he me of, you know, Vieira or Keynes, that kind of player that would take red card for, you know, being angry, <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and that's that's the type of things that we, we had to teach him and, you know, and to 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 make him to, to be calmer in his decisions and, you know, and sometimes to just swallow his emotion and just let his quality his quality express express his football for him rather than you know a hard tackle or a stupid challenge. But now we we saw we saw greatness in Stephen when he came. We said, you if you go on like that, you you're gonna be just fine. Absolutely, and and you talk about the players at Blackburn, like like um, Stephen and, and others that were able to develop at the club, p- progress as a footballers and go on to to have really good careers. I mean, it, it was a club that that really was just an out-and-out Premier League club. They'd obviously won the, the Premier League in the 90s. 
what was it like playing in front of Ewood Park when there was a full house? Because you caused some upsets against the likes of Manchester United and others during your time there. I mean, talking to some of the guys, you know, like sometimes like Nico or DJ, we knew that no one really enjoyed coming coming to a wood park. They knew with a full house that would be a fight and you will have to really bring your A game, whatever who you are. And and that was a the force that 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 crowd and and that stadium was 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 bringing. When you come to Airwood Park, you know that you're in for a fight. You may be the odds and odd maker, and everyone will put you in front of us. But you will have to come and beat us. We we won't just give it to you. You will have to to and you know we 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 fancy our chance against anyone at Airwood Park at the time. You mentioned fancying yourself against anyone during Sam's reign. I've got to ask you about the game against Arsenal. You scored in that game and you won 2-1 at home. Is that the sort of game that just summed up Blackburn Rovers at Ewood when things were going well? Yeah, I mean, uh, for my time, you know, Arsenal is probably the team of, of, of the top four at the time that we beat the most uh, because we, we, we brought some things that they couldn't Endo, and that was physicality. Um, Arsenal had difficulty at that time to 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 handle physicality. It was not the Arsenal when you had, you know, uh, the Vieira or so Campbell and Gilberto Silva, and you know they had themselves the physicality to to go against. It was different. It was a different time, and of course Arsenal was one of the team. But we have a couple of other quality win against quality team at Ewood Park. But like you say, it's just a toss in the air. Don't think that it's going to be people, you know, uh, before the games, they will be like, oh, yeah, 1-3 for Chelsea. Or oh, no, <laughs> you you mistaking. That's not going to happen like that. We talked about you helping Stephen and Zonzi develop as a player. What was Phil Jones like when he was coming through? Because a lot of people talk about him because he's obviously still at Manchester United. He's had a few injury problems. But when he was at Blackburn, he was touted as the next big thing. For you playing in a similar position, how closely did you work with Phil? Really, if you know, I, I remember, I remember the time where Ryan got injured, and uh, you know, and we didn't have a really another centre back, and him, he was a player that just came up to, uh, in training and came up as a group with us. And obviously, you know, Sam, uh, I guess, know a good player when he see one. And he asked me, like, what do, would I think about playing with a, with a young lad? I mean, I say, why not? I mean, if he's available and that's your choice, I will play with him and I will try to help him the most I can. Um, the, the thing that really baffled me about, about uh, Phil Jones is, I remember the first time I saw him training, uh, for the first week or maybe the first months, I was like pretty skeptical. I was like, mm, you know, you see someone and you're like, mm. and then I see him again a couple of months after and I'm like, oh my God, that's not the same guy. <laughs> that's not the same guy I've seen. For me in football, I never see a player with such a quick progression than Phil Jones. I never see someone from the first month to the month number six, that became so good. <laughs> Never seen that. And from the moment he started playing, he even got better. And I mean, with confidence and, you know, and, and you know, the thing with Phil is 
you can pretty much put him everywhere on the pitch at the time when he was a black man. You could put him in midfield. You could put him, put him right back. You could put him center back. You, I'm sure we could have put him on the right wing because he was quite fast. So from the moment that he got that confidence, it was no brainer that Phil Jones would be a great player for England. But unfortunately, of course, injuries and, you know, because he had a great start of his career at Man United and, you know, from us looking from, from afar, we, we were like, yeah, that's, that's what we thought. And of, of course, injuries, you know, it's part of the game. It's nothing you can do about, about them. And, you know, obviously, it's, it's, we, we, we miss uh, seeing Phil Jones from the start of his career at United. It would have been great to, to see that consistency continue and, and even develop more to be one of the best players. You're a player who loved your time at Blackburn. You still love the club now. But your form was so good that you were linked with so many top clubs. You were linked with Manchester United. You were linked with clubs on on the continent as well. How hard is that to, to deal with, even as an experienced player, when there's so much interest and attention on you? No, for, well, I don't know about Manchester United. Um, I knew that uh, Arsenal was interesting. Tottenham was interesting. And Aston Villa came uh, the Source Club came in. Um, of... Uh, Unfortunately, sometimes you don't you you can't control what happened behind the scene and really what are the really the the card on the, under the table to make a deal possible or not possible. For me, what was hard it was to me. I thought it was a time after six seven years at the club. Um, I think that I I I was prime. It was prime time for me. And and I saw that was a time where I I would I would, I would want to challenge myself in 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 a in a bigger club, um, and for me it was difficult because I saw so many of my teammates get the chance and the club also help him. Of of course, one thing that were different is that the owner change, the person you know the board have changed, and maybe their views. You know, if you buy your new car. And you say, oh yeah, I take uh, one of the best options in the car, and I take with me. You will say, oh no, you know, I bought the club like that. Uh, you you keep all the things that are in it, and I'm not gonna give anything out of it. And so we were not on the same page, really. We were not on the same page, and the timing was off, and it just didn't happen. And from that time, you know, I think it was really difficult for me to remain at the club because I saw David Bentley leave, Benny McCarthy leave, um, the like Stephen Warnock leave, Brad Friedle, then Real Nelson leave, and pretty much all my team, you know, I mean, all the dressing rooms that I loved so much at the time. Um, and I had so many battles with, and I saw that that's a time for something new and to leave the place to to, to someone to someone else because that, that, that was seeming to me like the end of the era but it didn't happen and I think we went, we went on the same page and was was disappointed to finish that way you, you you were club captain during your time at Blackburn um, as well just what was it like whenever you got to wear that captain's armband it's difficult because you know you 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 are eaten up by your your your, your ambitions. As a footballer, you know, you have one career. You have to make the most of it. You have to be the best you can be. And uh, on the other hand, you want to be the most exempl exemplary possible, you know, because you're the club captain and, you know, and you want to be that way. But I think at the time, I, 
as really was eaten up and you know and by being the best version of myself after I've I've done so much for the club and the club have done much for me too so it was really difficult was Sam Allardyce leaving a big blow for yourself personally because you talked about how much you loved playing under him for you not only your teammates leaving but the manager that you love playing under leaving was was that something that that sort of bettered your spell at Blackburn because you just felt as if it was time for you to go but you couldn't get out Listen, for me, uh, from the past experience and, you know, uh, at the time when we were pulling, so we were really struggling and, you know, the things I didn't understand is we, we were standing eight on the ta- in the table, you know what I mean? And to me, if it's not broken, don't change it. So I, I didn't understand where we, where we were as a, as a club captain, what, what are we trying to do? I, I didn't understand anymore. Um, what the club was trying to do and and that was was difficult at the time because we we had finally found back that stability that, that we had and that level of success that we had in the sun again and and suddenly it's like you have to restart again from from zero and at, at that time I was not prepared to do that and of course I, I, I like to play on this and the Sam as well so it was not easy you were linked, as as we know, with so many clubs in the Premier League. QPR were linked with you, who you you, you join eventually. But Anzi and Russia are the team that uh, I was I was not linked with QPR before uh, uh, before leaving to to Anzi. It was I came afterwards, but I was not linked with QPR. I, I won't, at the time I won't have left Blackburn Rovers to go to QPR. That was not my goal. Yeah, well, as you say, the, there was so much interest in you. Um, at that time, obviously, you've rightly mentioned that, that QPR weren't, but wouldn't have been a team that you'd have went to at that stage. There was interest in you in Europe as well, but Anzi and Russia are the team that, that, that you join. They were a club that had so many ambitions. I mean, Samuel Eto'o was at the club, Roberto Carlos. Did Samuel play a part in you going there? Did he try and convince you in any way? Of course, because at the time, for me, it was no questions that I, I'm leaving. I'm leaving uh, England. First of all, for me, it was leaving to to go in another English club because that's all I know and that's the league I love. Um, and at the start, it was a no, you know. And after I received some uh, phone call from from Samuel Eto, I start thinking. I mean, he, he convinced me. He convinced me to consider to consider joining him and. and others that we follow uh, and say that it was a solid project uh, and for me also because of the timing and you know it was at the top we were, I was not in the best place with the club and you know I thought that if they paid the price that the club wanted I should I should try something new and eventually I joined I joined uh, with him over there what was he like as a player even at that stage of his career I mean, at the stage of his career, he was at the time, I think, like something like 31. <laughs> so he was still young. And I mean, it's a kind of player you look, you look at, at them and you're just like, oh my God, it's just different. You know, whatever you thought was good, that's, 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 that's the elite of the elite. I mean, he's one of the best of the best, best striker of the history of football. One of them, you know, I mean, and you could see that, you could see that. You look at it from the back and you're just like, man, 
that's too much. <laughs> that's too much. I mean, you know, how easy he pass people, his finishing, his, his, his football IQ. And it's just, he was just superior. He's a superior type of player. What was the standard of football like in Russia? Because at that time, it wasn't just Anzi that were spending a lot of money. Other clubs were, were desperate to try and sign as, as many top players as they could. Uh, you, 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 if you can understand that, but by looking at how many clubs now that they don't do that anymore in the Champions League in Russia, none. Sure. Or one. I think one. It was a Krasnodar, is he? Yes. You know, yes. That's the only one. But before you, you had CSK Moscow, you had uh, you you had club like like uh, Zenit. You you had uh, three clubs in, in Russia every year in, in the Champions League, and that was because they invest a lot in, in players, and the league was actually at a good level. I mean, if we so bad, how did did we beat Liverpool? You know, so it's still a good standard. I mean, I was playing with real players. I'm really tall, Lassan Jarrett and William John. Uh, William uh, joined later on. And, you know, we, we were looking at improving the team even more because we wanted to be in the Champions League. Um, so, no, the level was good. You had, you had probably a good seven, eight team, I say, in, in that league. And the rest was a, a little bit below when it comes to level. But no. Of course, the style of football is slower. It's more, it's more continental. It's, it's more like when you play in Europe, you know, a bit slower, a bit more. Uh, it's, it's nothing to do with the pace of the Premier League, you know, or, or, or the or, or the physicality of the Premier League. It's nothing like that. But but it was still a good level. As a black footballer in Russia, how difficult could it get at times? Because we've seen lots of coverage over the years where players have been racially abused and you you were you were one of them when, when you played in Russia and again of course we can we can talk about whether it's a minority or or whatever it may be but it, but it really as a as a human being on the end of that it must be very difficult as I say I'm a Chris I'm, I'm a white man I, I I don't understand and I couldn't possibly pretend to understand how it must feel could you just I explain wish, what it's like? I, I wish I wish I understand too. I mean, you know, when you come to, uh, to play football, you play for the color of your team, of the shirt. That's that's all you play for, really. You know, I mean, you play for your team. You play for 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 your team, your teammate, and for the fans. So I don't see what race or what color you have have to do with that because it's Absolutely. not the color of the shirt. So to understand that. You have to ask these people, <laughs> you know what I mean? But no, what, what I want to say is, luckily we had a very good bubble, if you know what I mean. We had a good bubble, so it's mean we had uh, in, in the team and around the team was every time good people. So that's that what was really helpful. And I, I, don't, I don't like to say that, yeah, I don't say Russian people are racist or something because it's every time a part, only a part of the people who, who are that way. Um, you can't say in the same time that it don't happen because it happened for me the first time, the second time, the third time, only in that country. You know what I mean? Only in that country happened to me. So I've played in Germany, it never happened. I played in France, it never happened. You played in, in the UK, it never happened. 
you know uh, so to go to russia and suddenly be confronted to such things was new and quite disturbing for me quite quite disturbing and that's why i understood that you know football true football is not everywhere it's not everywhere where people only support the team and no they will try to hurt you in many ways for different reasons and it, it's it's a difficult issue you know because i think it's a lack of understanding and well from people who are racially abused we can't understand why we are abused and it's a lack of understanding for the people who racially abuse other people because they probably don't even know why they do that so uh it's, it's difficult to just like understand it it's definitely something that people need educated on i totally agree with you chris i think mm -hmm. so many of these people that that do this sort of thing don't understand well i hope they don't fully understand what they're doing because it's a it's a, it's a terrible thing that doesn't belong in any era never mind the era mm -hmm. that we're in now another as, as well as getting abused though verbally you were also the victim of a banana being thrown onto the pitch i mean for you, how hard is it to keep your emotions in check at that point? Well, luckily, this happened at the end of the uh, of the game, um, so I don't know how I would react. I had Roberto Carlos, I played with that previously uh, suffered the same uh, fate. He, he received a banana. He's a holder player. He was a holder player, and at the time, uh, you know, I don't know if he's been confronted to that already before or not, but. He chose to walk off the pitch, but me was at the end of the game. Um, at, the, at that moment, I think uh, I start thinking that it shouldn't happen and I don't really know how I would react. Um, it happened again in, uh, afterward in a game against CSK uh, Moscow, where I was actually shocked and, and disappointed because I touch the ball and you, you make monkey shant, but I look on my right and on my left, and in your own team, you have Hamed Musa you know, from Nigeria and Sedu Keita from Ivory Coast. They are your goal scorer and you cheer every day. So that just to me, like the level of, you know, hypocrisy, hypocrites that you have in the stand. I mean, it, it was, so you, you're cheering them, but you, you, you do monkey jump to me. Is that what you really think of us? You know what I mean? And, it was really disappointing. And when they were doing the monkey chant, I pointed at their teammate to the fan <laughs> and they stopped. That's how stupid, that stupid it is. You know what I mean? And, and the, the third time it happened, I had to walk off the pitch because I couldn't take it anymore. And I got suspended by the way, because I gave him my, I walked my finger to them like, but for a good reason. Uh, so, yeah, so uh, I mean, I've I've been suspended three games, and uh, the teams that were racially uh, the the stands that were racially abusing me was uh, only got suspended for one game. So, to me, it was very disappointing because I understood that this was not condemned. Actually, me wagging the finger to them was more condemned than them basically calling me a monkey. So from that moment on, you know, I understood that that league didn't stand against racism or 
fight against racism the way they should do. Did, did your experience in Russia when you initially went there, did that make you interested in returning to the Premier League as quickly as you did? Because obviously in January 2013, it's QPR and it's a new challenge in London for yourself. Well, this happened when, uh, when I came back, actually. Oh, this happened when I came back and I, and I came to play in Moscow. Um, but the first time, I would say that I had a much better better time the first time around because I can't recall an issue, uh, one instance when I've been racially abused when I was in Anzi. It happened afterward when, when I played for, for Dynamo Moscow. Um, but now the reason why I wanted to come back is because I wasn't happy and I was, in a, you know, the challenge, the challenge was uh, bad timing for me, I would say, that challenge. I mean, uh, the fact that I came and, and believed that I could carry that team and, and to help keep that team in the Premier League without preseason and having played for two months because I was in a, in a you know, in a break for two months and then of course the Premier League called back that's where I want to be so I came back of course but I didn't think that I would play four days after I arrived with me being on holiday for two months and being unfit and being overweight and all of it and obviously I've been asked to play and you know if someone pay for me a certain price well they expect me to play and I did and then injury after injury and also the issues that we had in the dressing room and you know at the start you come with all your your good energy and your optimism and, and things that you could that you could carry the load and you know and and really change things and afterward my body just started falling apart because i wasn't prepared and i wasn't prepared for the challenge and that probably is the biggest disappointment and i was um, earning a good salary at, at, at QPR and I didn't and I had probably six years contract something like that and and I didn't want to be I want to earn because all my life I had to earn everything I've got and I didn't feel like I deserve I, I earn um, that by staying staying there and that's why I chose I should go for somewhere where I could contribute and earn my money. Absolutely. I mean, everyone that I've spoken to, Chris, about QPR, when you were there, even, even afterwards as well, every player always talks about the dressing room and the fact that there were so many factions. For you, was it even tougher? Because the last time you were in the Premier League, you were at Blackburn and you had a really good dressing room. So playing for QPR with that dressing room, was it just hard from day one, never mind the fitness as well, just the, listen, the whole atmosphere? I, listen, Tony, Tony Fernandez was, was, is a great owner. You know, I mean, he wanted to do the best for his team and bring the best player possible to play for his team. The only issue was that, you know, it's a group of players that fought hard before that to bring the team to the Premier League. And the level uh, of where those players were playing um, against the players that arrived after was like day and night. And, you, you, well, you know, that creates 
I think the, 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 the waste structure had a big problem. This should have been, rather than trying to do it overnight, it should have been done progressively, if you know what I mean. But it's been done so abruptly. So it created issue in the dressing room because sometimes some players that are not on the same wages are another would perform as good as, as, as the one that are paid much more. And that was create tension. That would create tension. And the fact that you had also, like you said, you, of course you are. Every team a fashion. Every team a fashion. You have the Spanish. If you, if you speak Spanish and you have someone else speaking Spanish, you're going to speak with Spanish because that reminds you of home. You know what I mean? That reminds you of, that's, that's natural. But it's important that the faction come together. In Blackburn, we had, of course, I was, I was in the dressing rooms with Benny McCarthy, you know, uh, Morton, and, and the guys. And then you have Be the David Bentley, with David Dunn, and, and, and uh, Robbie Savage, and you had Brad, and Stephen, and, 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 uh, and Ryan, and, and Brett Emerton, you know. But the problem is, we were all together. We were as little group, but together. But this was little group who stay little groups. And this was a problem. The, the team never could come together. And that, that's why we, we couldn't be successful at the end of the day. After that experience at QPR, back to Russia. Um, as you say, Anzi again, first of all, before then joining Dynamo Moscow. Um, Russian football, as you've said, was a good standard. It was an experience on the part that when you were playing um, was good. Obviously, the, the, the racism that, that came with it at times was was tough to deal with. What was mm. Greek football like with Panathinaikos? I know you were um, you were there for a short period, but what was it like playing over in Greece compared it, to England and Russia? It's a period of time I want to erase from my memory, if I want to be to be blunt about it. It, it was, I mean, good stadium, good fans, the club a total shamble. It was a total shamble. I mean. I arrived, I remember when I arrived uh, over there and I just signed, we have a, a meeting a couple of days afterwards. And a meeting, in that meeting, you have uh, with the owner and uh, the, some people of the board, the first thing that I heard in the meeting is, excuse me, a couple of players, we have been uh, our house or, you know, part of the contract or with salary not been paid for like, he says his house has not been paid for 19 months. Some complain that his salary has not been pay, paid for, for uh, I don't know, many months. And I'm like, oh my God, what's going on here already? So, you know, you, I didn't expect that, but that's just, it was a total shamble because every week everybody was just complaining. How can you, con how you concentrate on football? You can't. So for me, it was sure that I wanted to, to, to come to, to leave that place as fast as possible. What is a shame because it's quite a, a beautiful city. And as you've said, when, when, when that's going on off the park, it, it, must be, it must be a toxic place to be. I mean, you talked about QPR being a very tough place to be. Uh, was this even more challenging as, a, as an environment than, than QPR? This was the worst. 
was <laughs> not charity. It was the worst place I played my career. I don't. I don't want to remember it. I don't want to have no memory of it. I just, you know, it was just the worst. You, a place where nobody concentrate on playing the game because they have other issue. I mean, it was just, just that bad. When I was there, it was absolute shamble. Back to England to finish your your playing career. Is it true that you were close to signing for Crystal Palace before Aston Villa? But uh, when I when I came uh, to when I when I when I came to back to England, because I, I just decided to end my contract, uh, so I was not tied to anyone and I was free. Uh, also, one reason why I want to reason to forget about Panathinaikos is that they killed my my a little bit my chance for a comeback. They 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 rushed they rushed my my uh, other injury you know what I mean other injury and their team doctor was injecting me in the knee and my knee just swelled up like big time it swelled up a lot and they were trying to make me play with it and then I say no I can't play. I've played a little bit with it and they say, oh, no, I don't play. And every time they were just pressuring me and, and putting, uh, and uh, like ejecting, I mean, it, it was just bad. Even the medical, you know, aspect of it like, was bad. Everything was bad. And, you know, it, when I came back, I, when I, uh, I was actually, yeah, uh, I came to, to, to Crystal Palace, but, you know, the doctor looked at my knee and he's like, no, you can't play. So I went to see a, a specialist and he said, no, listen, you can't play for probably two, three months until your, your knee is, is, is correct. And, you know, it's on par to, to be able to, to play this, this difficult game. And so I lost time again. And, you know, after that, I, I'm thankful to, to, to Steve Bruce and have given me a chance to go and, and join his club, uh, Aston Villa. But yeah, that's how it happened. And in terms of Villa, you go in and you, you're a centre-back and you were at the club when John Terry was there. What was John like? Because he's, he's a Premier League legend, of course, as we all know, and just like yourself, a defender that was utterly fearless when he played the game. Mm -hmm. John, you know, I'm, I know John from having so much battle against him, you know, playing against Chelsea, Blackburn Chelsea at the time. And... You know, you know from the stories that you had with, with when I play with Lars and everything, and you wonder how is he. You know what I mean? And then you're around him, and you you can see that he's a true captain. He's a true captain. Like I mean, he, he take care of his body. He's a good professional. He's, he's a great great player to to take an example with. Uh, so I have really nothing to do but good things about him from what I've seen, because I never judge someone uh, by what you hear. Absolutely. I like to judge people from what I know and what I see. And what I've seen for him, he's a great player. You know, right foot, left foot, you know, he can play. He, he's very smart he's, he's, and he's a great leader. That's all I can say. Only good things about him. And another player I have to ask you about, Chris, Jack Grealish, he's, 
he's he's linked with so many top clubs. He's now playing for England, which obviously, as we know, means a lot to him. Just what was he like at that stage when you played with him? Because his progression has been fantastic. Yeah. I mean, Jack is a kind of player that, you know, you're around every day and, you know, at game and everything. And you say, he could do, he could, he, he could do go in a big club. He could go even more now um, than, than before. But you, you like, I wish I could see him in a, big, in a bigger club to see what he can do. Um, I believe that it would have happened. Um, but Aston, Aston Villa is, is, you know, it's difficult for him. Is I mean, he's Mr. Villa. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's Mr. Villa. Um, so I understand that, you know, it's difficult. I, I don't want to, to try to say, hey, Jack, you, you, you must leave or whatever. It would be nice to see him in a United shirt or Tottenham shirt or something to see what he could do against the very best, you know, in the Champions League. That's what I wish to see. Um, but, you know, for a club like Villa, it's important to hold on to, to a player like Jack Grealish because if you want to attract other players, it's good to have a benchmark like Jack. Um, so, yeah, Jack is a good player. He's a, he's a funny lad. I mean, he, he enjoys life and I don't blame him for it. <laughs> <laughs> um, Steve Bruce, a manager who has managed in the Premier League for many years. You, you played under Mark Hughes, you played under Sam Allardyce, you, you really enjoyed playing under them. Was Steve Bruce a similar sort of character? Yeah, but uh, Steve, Steve Bruce is, is, you know, he got a, he's, he's a nice man, you know, with, you know, like Mark Hughes last time with a little bit of that old school mentality. Um, I'm not saying old school uh, uh, about his methods or something like this, but you know the more old school uh, people um, regarding their personalities. And I enjoy him. He's an honest coach. What is important, um, and he almost put it off. And I was happy for him when he got an opportunity at Newcastle. You know, against adversity because they didn't want him there, and he actually did well and doing, is doing well for them. So, I mean, they, they, they should be happy because, you know, they, they're living better times than they, they had before. So they should be grateful to have him there. He's doing a good job. For yourself and any footballer, when it, it, you're edging closer to retirement, is it a hard decision to make to retire because you love the game or do you know when your body's ready to go? Listen, I was, I was, I won't say that I was ready to retire. I won't say I was. Um, what I wanted is um, to finish back at Blackburn Rovers. That was I wanted more than anything. I wanted to go back and help the club and help the younger player and try to be that that figure, you know, to to finish to finish up and to be someone that I really value in my heart. Um, but it's so much you can do and I wouldn't want to have to finish uh, by default if you know what I mean so it's mean not being in a place where you really want to be or not really want to do something so I thought well you have to call it a day and you know so many years that you have passed on the pitch uh, you know and been absent it's now a good time to be to be 
closer to the family and to be there for, for a little bit till the ambition and you know the the next the next goal in life you know come comes up. Well, in terms of your managerial career and coaching career, I hope that we can see you back in English football and, and back at Blackburn. It would be great to see. Just before you go, Chris, the last big question I've got for you. You, you played in the Premier League for many years. You're regarded by so many as one of the greatest bargains in Premier League history. A lot less than a million pounds you cost Blackburn and you gave them millions of pounds worth of service. And, and, and for that, the fans, of course, are, are so grateful. What are your favourite memories from playing the game? My favourite memory is play at Blackburn. Favourite memories from playing for Blackburn and just playing the game in general in your career? You know, what you miss when you when when you are on that side now is, I, I miss that dressing room. I really miss that dressing room. It was a great dressing room. You know, you you, you use the dressing room. When I say the dressing room is the dressing room at training, the dressing room before the game, after the game, you know, sharing uh, this is the same goal and, you know, laugh, you know, and you, you, you like, a, uh, you, you like in boarding school, really, you know what I mean? It's like, you like in boarding school and it's, it's just good to be around the guys and, you know, and share, you know, fa- uh, battles, you know, disappointments, you know, party together and do all these things together. It was great. And, the dressing room is a space where whatever you come from and what your different tastes, you, you share everything. And, and that, that's what I really miss about, about it. About, I miss that dressing room. Not saying it's the dressing room, I'm saying that dressing room. Well, I'm sure every Blackburn fan listening to this will, will be absolutely delighted to hear that. Chris, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you very much. So we'll dive down to the ocean And we'll make our home in a deep sea cave And our shells will all be open They'll be filled with song, they'll be filled with song We'll dive down to the ocean And we'll make our home in a deep sea cave